0: This is Software Engineering Radio, the podcast for professional developers, on the web at se-radio.net. SE Radio brings you relevant and detailed discussions of software engineering topics at least once a month. SE Radio is brought to you by IEEE Software Magazine, online at computer.org software.
1: For Software Engineering Radio, this is Robert Blumen. Today, I'm joined by Monica Beckwith. Monica is an independent consultant specializing in optimizing the Java virtual machine and garbage collection for enterprise applications. She's a regular speaker at conferences and has published articles on topics including garbage collection, the Java memory model, and others. Monica was the performance lead on the G1 garbage collector and named a Java 1 2013 rock star. Monica, welcome to Software Engineering Radio.
0: Thank you. Is
1: there anything else about yourself you'd like the listeners to know?
0: No, I think that you summed it up pretty well. I've been working um, as a performance engineer, Java performance engineer, for more than a decade. I used to work for advanced micro devices, and that's how I kind of got into the, the JVM, GC, JIT compiler realm. And um, I worked primarily with Hotspot, which is like the OpenJDK hotspot garbage collector and the whole, the compiler, the JVM itself. Um, but I've also briefly worked with Jrocket and um, IBM's j So yeah, it goes along with, you know, I started with, op, you know, just optimizing instruction, uh, using the right, right instructions Optimizing the uh, generated code. Eventually moved on to um, trying to optimize the compiler, the JIT compiler itself, and then finally uh, moved on to garbage collector. And then that's where I stayed. I kind of worked with the garbage collector, mostly server-side uh, garbage collection. So like the throughput collector, the, the uh, work with CMS, the concurrent, mostly concurrent mark and sweep. And then finally G1 GC, and
1: that's where um, been working with G1 GC for a while now. I'm really looking forward to your insights on garbage collection, which is the topic of our show. I'd like to start out with some basic background, starting with the question, what is garbage?
0: Uh, Garbage, in simple terms, is something that you don't need anymore, that is not referenced anymore. Uh, When you look at, uh, for example, in Java, when you look at the Java heap, uh, objects are allocated on the heap. Uh, Most often than, than not, you can think of it as as sort of a linked list. So you have the root set and then whatever is referenced from the root set is um, is live, right? And then you need to mark it and so on and so forth. But what is not referenced is still occupying space in the heap. So that needs to be collected, so to speak, or or sweet you know? So that the unreferenced object, which is not referenced by anything on your heap, any any other object on the heap, and uh, it doesn't directly connect to the root, indirectly or directly connect to the root set, then that can be reclaimed, and that is known as garbage. Okay.
1: Could you describe a basic garbage collection algorithm that would be common to any language that has garbage collection?
0: Sure. So garbage collection, let's start from what garbage collection means. It's not just the collection itself, but it's also the allocation. So, uh, for example, in Java, when, when you allocate, when your application allocates an object, it gets, uh, garba- the garbage collector handles the allocation. And then there is the fast path allocation, usually, which is optimized uh, to, to not have uh, synchronization overhead. Then there comes the collection part, where um, when, when the objects are not reachable, they need to be sweet, they need to be collected. Um, so, um, so what happens is that the heat is a finite amount of memory. And one, one uh, so if you, if you talk about generational heat, for example, when the young generation or the old generation gets full uh, and you cannot allocate anymore or cannot promote anymore, that's when the garbage collector kicks in. For, for the garbage collector to start at a particular point and, and kind of make an object graph or the object tree, you know those trees need to have uh, one or more root objects, right? So uh, what I mean by these root op- root set uh, basically um, like local variables, right? And then so and then your Java threads themselves. You know, if you have um, the active Java threads, then then th- those are your know, GC roots. There's one your J C roots. There's also the JNI references, um, uh, static variables, and such like that. So you start from that set, and anything that's any object tree that's reachable from the root set is considered live, and that's what is called as marking. So you're marking all the live objects. So once um, all the live objects are marked, uh, what's remaining are the ones that are not reachable, uh, you know. Uh, when you're when you're doing this object graph and so those those don't seem to be seem to fit in the object graph so those are considered uh, garbage and then you have different algorithms to to uh, to take care of the garbage right so there's uh, most most commonly known as sweeping and then sweeping is also optimized you don't have to go through the entire heap to, to sweep to collect these, uh, garbage you can have uh, for example what CMS does um, has a free list so as as and when it goes through um, you know when it's doing this um, uh, sweeping these these garbage uh, spaces are maintained in a free list so you don't have to sweep, uh, go through the entire heap so there are different optimizations that you can do but most common algorithm you would find that everybody, every garbage collector has to mark And then uh, has to take care of cleaning up, you know, and the way it cleans up is could be um, Scavenging and all those things are different algorithms that you could go ahead and optimize and um, I think the one um, the hotspot garbage collector most common ones are the young generation is a copying compacting collector and the old generation the the fail the fail-safe one is uh, Mark Sweet uh, Compact and um, if, um, and then there is uh, the CMS, which is mostly concurrent mark sweep. There is no compaction. There is G1, which is also which does incremental compaction. In and okay.
1: Yeah. You, you talked about hotspot CMS. There are these are different garbage collectors in Java. Java has been a garbage collected language since the beginning, but it has changed its approach considerably. Tell us about the history of garbage collection within the Java language, and what sort of goals or what has been driving the changes in garbage collection?
0: Well, you, you, you were right on target. Java always has had um, automatic um, management, memory management, so because that takes care of allocating and deallocating, so you, you don't have to do it like you would have to, would have to do in a programming language like C and and that way the whole purpose was that was that you users don't have to take care of it because in c we have a lot of problems if you do not deallocate you know you keep on using up uh, memory and you not you forget to deallocate or whatever happens but java takes care of it and one of the reasons is that it's heap based right so we have a limited uh, finite amount of heap and um, which you can set with your you know maximum uh, XMS option, XMS and XMX options, so initial and maximum heap uh, sizes. And so at first, it was, I mean, it's always been a simple algorithm, like I said, mark, uh, sweep, and compact, or whatever. So uh, in in um, job, in Hotspot GC, we started with something called the Serial GC. Very simple, single, single-threaded collection, right? So it, it only it pauses the application threads, does its collection just using single garbage collector thread. So that way, the data structures are very simple, minimal footprint, and and that was working great. And then we figured out that the heaps are growing, the server uh, demands are growing. There are multi cores that have come in. Java has always been a multi-threaded application, you know, the uh, language, programming language, and so. So now we wanted to make sure that the garbage collector is growing with the needs uh, of the market, right? So then in comes um, these, this uh, throughput collector. Uh, but before even the throughput collector, there was, we were hitting a bottleneck with, with that single generation. So every time that it had to pause, it, it paused to, and collected the entire heap. So marked the entire heap, collected the entire heap. That was not working because now you have this humongous pause and only, um, you know, and then you collect. And so if your heap is growing, so you have to mark and sweep the entire heap, this, this huge heap. So then in comes um, this generational collector. So the principle of a generational collector is that most objects die young, which, is, which makes perfect sense because um, a heap doesn't have similarly aged uh, or aging objects. Well, what happens is that um, when you're allocating, you may be creating more garbage uh, within the first, you know, the first few seconds of your allocation, and then uh, at the same time you're building up this cache or building up this uh, what we call is live data set, while you're also doing other allocations that may not eventually end up in your live data set. So the generation principle is that you allocate uh, these young objects in, in, a, some, in something called the young generation. And then you age them. And the way you age them is that you move them back and forth in the survivor space. And then, once you have aged them appropriately, you promote them into the old generation. So now, hopefully, the, the goal is that the old generation uh, has what we call a live data set. So your long lived object, not medium lived, but long lived objects get promoted. That's the whole goal of this genera- of generational collection.
1: Right, so what you're talking about generational then is there might be some global objects that I load from a database or config file that I load right at the beginning and they're gonna be there for the entire duration of the program runtime. whereas inside a little function I need a string and it gets allocated and I almost immediately don't need it. So you're trying to optimize different garbage collection strategies based on these very transient objects and more like a permanent object. Is that is that where you're going?
0: Yes. So, um, for example, uh, like you said, uh, something that you allocate like a string uh, and you don't need it, that kind of if, if, for example, you had put it in the old generation, if for some reason we didn't age it appropriately and immediately promote it into the old generation, now what happens is when it dies, it creates this hole in the old generation, and but it's still, it's still there. It, even though it's garbage, it's still there, and it's occupying this space that could have been used for your long-lived objects. So eventually, if you have more of these uh, short-lived objects that would have stayed up, stayed in your old generation, your old generation is full of garbage, and now need you need to kick in an old generation collection. Old generation collections are usually more expensive because it can old generation usually is a bigger part, bigger chunk of your heap. If
1: you want to do the uh, more transient ones, more frequently, lower cost, more aggressive collection. If you can sort things into the old generation, they may not change and you may not have to garbage collect those very often.
0: That's the goal, especially with something like this uh, concurrent mark and suite collection. Uh, what happens there is that old generation collection is mostly concurrent and at the same time it's not compacted. So if you promote, if you prematurely promote your objects, you have, and then concurrent market sweep kicks in, it just uh, sweeps it. So you have in-space uh, deallocation, and then, of course, you have this free list, which kind of keeps track of all these um, deallocated uh, spaces. That when the new objects are promoted, uh, even, it, they have to fit in these chunks of three space. So sometimes they may not be able to fit in the chunks of free space and eventually you could run out of old generation space. And unfortunately, even though you had... So if you think of it, not your entire old generation is not, uh, not live objects. They're garbage. There's these chunks. But unfortunately, since you cannot fit in your promoted objects in those chunks, you are expect, experiencing fragmentation.
1: Fragmentation. So fragmentation is where you might have enough free memory, if you added it all up, yes. but there isn't a single spot that is large enough for the allocation that you need to do.
0: That is correct. That is correct. Okay. And that's a big problem with concurrent mark and sweep. So to handle that, what happens is the fail-safe, the fallback mark sweep compact GC, uh, which is also called the full GC, uh, kicks in, and then it handles the entire heap, and it's, it's single-threaded. Uh, just like in the serial GC, so it's a long, slow process. So what people <laughs> end up doing to to avoid that, they have you know at the end of their uh, day, like you know they they kick in the uh, full GC, and throughout the day they just deal with young young generation collections and sweeping, which is really fast. So um, there are lots of quirks around it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, so you did mention compacting. That is uh, my understanding. It's like when I run disk defrag on my computer, but it's on the working memory in the heap. Is that right?
0: Yes. so compaction is handled different ways in different generations, but the way it's handled in um, young generation, it's done by copying. So so uh, if you think of young generation, if you draw up this kind of uh, semi-spaces, one is called, let, let's call leftmost one Eden, and then we'll call the rightmost one as Survivors. Within Survivors, you can have S0 and S1, uh, not not with uh, G1GC, but in the predecessors you had S0 and S1, which is Survivors. So,
1: so G1 is another one of the Java garbage collectors. Yes,
0: and G1 just has Eden and Survivor space. Uh, the other garbage collectors have Eden from space and to space Survivors, or you could call them S0 and S1 Survivors. So let's just uh, so when allocations happen into the Eden um, after the Eden gets full, uh, there's a young collection is triggered. So when the young collection is triggered, all the live objects are copied to the survivor spaces uh, and uh, in, in prior to G1 uh, they copied in, say s0 from space. So when the next collection happens which means the next time the Eden gets full, Eden plus S zero uh, are uh, live objects in Eden plus S zero are copied into S one. Um, so this copying back and forth of uh, from S zero to S one of, uh, of uh, surviving objects is called uh, is called uh, copying compaction. That achieves compaction by itself because at after every collection, Eden is completely uh, empty,
1: right? Okay. So it's- when you copy, you've got uh, from space, you've got little chunks in between the memory and use, so you, when you copy, you copy everything contiguous, correct?
0: Yes, you copy everything, uh, yeah. But it, you know there's also t-labs and promotion labs and, that I'm not talking about here, so that's, that's a whole thing. So when you're promoting, for example, your garbage collection um, threads will prom- uh, promote into their promotion labs, which is local area buffers. So that way, so there could be some kind of uh, non-contiguous depending on which thread gets to what object first. So there's like a uh, work stealing and all those things that goes around in parallel uh, when you, parallel uh, threads are employed. It's, sim- it's similar to you know whatever optimization you would do if you had
1: multiple threads right you would have a work queue, you have, would have work stealing. You talked about these evolution garbage collection driven by the need for Java to keep up with the market demands. One of the most crucial features of modern computing is a large number of cores and memory. I can get an instance on AWS cloud with over 200 gigs of memory. Do the modern Java collectors scale up well across many cores and large memory?
0: Yeah, and that's a good question. So uh, that, that this is one of the reasons why garbage first garbage collector was introduced. So like I mentioned, for CMS and for throughput collector, we have these two generations that are contiguous, uh, young generation and old generation. And as the heat grows, as the number of live uh, objects are in- increase, you know, because the reason you would have, the reason you need more heat is because you, you're trying to increase your live data set. That's the hope, right? I mean... Also, some people increase the heat because they want to avoid a full collection as well, you know, generation um, compacting collection as well. So,
1: did I understand earlier? You said you might deliberately run, like, as an operational step that a person or a batch job does, the uh, full collection at certain times of day when uh, either you've taken that node offline or it's a load. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yes, and people do that uh, all okay. the time. Yes. So back to the so so there there are lots of reasons why people may want to increase the, <clears throat> their 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 So let's let's assume that you have uh, one of the reasons that you're doing it is because you have uh, an increasing amount of live data set that you want to fit in your own generation, uh, and you want to have a collector that is also guaranteeing certain uh, max response time. Uh, so, a garbage collector that guarantee doesn't guarantee, but you want to keep the pause low because there right now in hotspot, there is nothing that has a hard uh, pause time guarantee, so to speak but but there is a collector called garbage first garbage collector, which is a uh, soft a uh, real time guarantee so it it tries to do its best to match your pause time requirement. It doesn't mean that it it stops. The pause right at your target, but it'll try to be try to adjust its generations and um, regions um, so that it can do, achieve that target. Now, another good point uh, of why people may move to garbage uh, garbage first garbage collector, especially when they have larger heaps, is because of the incremental uh, compaction. I, I briefly mentioned that it's co- it's called mixed GC. So what happens is a G1 heap is divided into regions and the, the heap is contiguous and the generations don't have to be contiguous, which means that at a particular time, any region could be a, a region out of the young generation or it could be a region out of the old generation. So, um, so when uh, we have to, so there's, and there's a threshold similar to concurrent mark and sweep, collector, there is a threshold, um, marking threshold in G1 as well. Once these the old generation gets filled um, to, to your threshold, you start the marking cycle. So the marking cycle will go ahead and mark a sim- similar thing, right, so go and mark and find out the live object graph. Now, um, and it also, there's something called the GC efficiency, it also arranges it also ranges based on the liveness per region. So if a region has too, is too expensive, it's too popular, so that means remembered sets are expensive or uh, too many live objects in there, uh, that region will not be collected. Uh, it's, it's deemed too expensive. So mostly garbage first, right? You know, whatever has more garbage will be collected. That's the principle of garbage first. So when after the marking completes, there's something called a mixed GC, which has all the young regions and a few candidate uh, regions from the old generation, so old regions, and and it, it does this incrementally. It doesn't collect the entire old generation, but it does so, uh, uh, you know, in steps. Of maybe you will see four mixed selections or eight mixed selections after the marking. So that way um, if you had a 400 gig heat like you mentioned or 300 gig heat like you mentioned you're you're not collecting the entire say any old generation was, say 200 gigs or whatever right you're not collecting the entire 200 gigs at a time you're collecting it incrementally so that that is a big step uh, for hotspot because previous the previous garbage collections may have had you know they have a sweet spot which is definitely way way less than um, Two hundred gigs, right? 100 gigs.
1: So I, I wanted to talk about pauses. Well, let's start. You mentioned pauses. Explain w- what a pause is in garbage collection, and wh- wh- and why why is there a pause?
0: Okay. So for hotspot garbage collectors, there's always going to be stop and world pauses, right? Um, and the reason they um, it needs for hotspot that it needs to be is that you have the application threads have to come to a safe point where they can park themselves, and the garbage collector goes up and cleans, okay, or moves objects around, right? Because, like I mentioned about the copying collector, it's moving from one space to the other, so the objects are the live objects are moved around. Same goes with uh, uh, compaction, you're moving uh, objects, the live objects,
1: so right, so you don't want to move. Memory while the program is running because you yes. might mess something up pretty badly.
0: And, and you know, some um, in, in G1, there's concurrent marking, and, and there's uh, um, the, the marking algorithm also has barriers when something writes to it while it's concurrently marking. So there are barriers. You can use barriers to do that as well um, to do some part of it in, in Hotspot, for example. And the remainder at, at any given time, uh, once you have got gone through your marking and and identified the objects that are live, Hotspot brings the application threads to a safe point, and then it does the actual moving, and and, and that's how it does its so so to speak, a collection, a garbage collection. Now, when the application threads are brought to a safe point, that's that's what it is called as a pause, because your application has paused for the garbage collector to do its job. And that pause is basically dependent on the copying cost, like the moving cost. So uh, more live objects that you have to copy, that's how much time that pause is going to take, right? At least it should. There could be other issues, right? But the majority of the time that you're spending pausing is, should, should be your copying time. And or removing time, which which isn't in hotspot, it's copying time. So um, I guess that's what is a pause.
1: Back when the web started, people were putting up with 5 to 10 second page load times. So if you had a 500 millisecond garbage collection pause, it didn't really impact application behavior. But networks have gotten a lot faster, applications, uh, JavaScript, so... You don't need to load your entire page. User expectations for how responsive they want application to be have really grown. And w- what is the impact of pauses on responsiveness of applications and on user experience?
0: Well, yeah. So perceived, so user experience and application responsiveness can be two different things. A user may not be. So your garbage collection pause of 100 milliseconds, a user may not user may not be able to notice that if it's just ever once. Uh, so it's the frequency of the pause as well, right? If the 100 milliseconds are back to back, of course you're going to notice it. But if the 100 milliseconds are ever so often, every one second or so, the user may not notice it, and uh, because network latencies could be even more. Let like you mentioned, you know, it could be more consuming than that. So um, now. Uh, how does it how does it affect the responsiveness of the application? It, you know, like again, it's the frequency and the uh, and the pause duration itself. And eventually, uh, this latencies affect the throughput. If you if you think about it, you know um, how often you pause and how uh, how much you pause will determine the throughput of your application. So uh, throughput is basically uh, garbage collection. For garbage collection, the throughput is basically um, the time that your applications, the time that you spend or the application spends not garbage collecting, right? So uh, the more frequent you know, this, the collections happen, uh, the, then, then you are spending time garbage collecting. Right? So it, it, does, it, it does affect your throughput. And that's, that's what um, could bring your application Effectiveness down because you're not able to process as many requests, so you're not able to uh, handle so many federal requests or something like that. Yes, okay. and it, and eventually okay. down the line, what happens is it adds up. So while you are pausing for a garbage collection, so many requests came in, but you were not able to handle. So now your queue, whatever queue you had, will have an impact, and then uh, so you know it's it's like a deferred because now you have to handle more requests, and again, all these things, so the queue gets impacted because of your
1: pause. If I have an application where I want very uniform, predictable latency without outliers, I might be looking at bringing on more servers that are going to operate at each one at a lower throughput, or maybe rotating servers on and offline so I can do the more disruptive garbage collections when the server is... Temporarily detached, and then bring it back online.
0: Yeah, people and people people do that. People, <laughs> it's crazy um, and uh, and important that, that how people have learned to live with with what they had. So they have learned to live with the CMS collector. They've learned to live with the serial uh, Mark we compact. full full GC, failsafe GC. So that's exactly what people do and 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 it makes sense in many places. I I know G1GC is not there yet where predictable times are concerned but most often than not if you have little flexibility in your worst case response time and then G1GC can be tuned such that you do not encounter an evacuation failure uh, or a promotion failure with with G1GC as you would have had with uh, with CMS, you know the fragmentation issue. If you tune a garbage first collector appropriately, and if you give it enough heap, and uh, you have a pop, not strict like not ten milliseconds pause time requirement or something, G1 GC can actually be tuned I, in most cases to to avoid that uh, full compacting uh, single threaded mark mark and sweep compaction. You know, so uh, yes, I mean. Uh, people just have to i guess in a way learn um, more about this new collector and and one of the things that i'm doing um actually is i'm giving talks about garbage first garbage collector because in open jdk 9 java 9 the one of the things is that g1 first uh, garbage first garbage collector is going to be the default collector up until now the parallel uh, gc collector, the throughput collector was the default collector but Java 9 will bring about G1 G C as a default collector. Um, so, um, so there's a lot of education uh, that needs to be done, and people need to try and and try this G1 G C collector and, and bring their observations to the table, um, talk about it in um, you know, open JDK forums so that there's more observation related to how to make um, garbage first garbage collector better
1: if I get to the point where I'm going to take a server offline because I want to avoid visible garbage collection behavior, then to me that sounds like I've almost given up. And before I would do that, I hope I could tune the JVM. What are some of the things that customers or users want the JVM to do, and how do they express that to you?
0: So most often than not, um, again, JVM and GC are kind of – when somebody comes comes to me, they uh, they talk about the problem areas more. Most often than not, um, it's it's got to do with the tuning, like you mentioned. And and uh, at that particular point, they're not even concerned about the worst case because they already know there are some low hanging optimizations that can be done, and so they they think that they haven't even achieved. Uh, a proper scalable run, a scalable uh, set of options uh, where they can go ahead and talk about the absolute worst case. So, um, so simple uh, things where for example references are, are a big thing, uh, so turning on parallel reference processing, uh, that helps them a lot. Uh, sometimes uh, just sizing the generations a uh, little bit or or trying to find out their live data set, well, I mentioned that briefly, uh, trying to find out the live data set is, is, is a big thing. Sometimes people are not aware of, of uh, compressed oops on uh, heaps as much as 64, I guess, now with JDK8. Uh, so uh, if you do the alignment, if you change the alignment to 16 bytes, um, you can a- achieve compressed oops. It's not the same as when with eight, by- uh, yeah, eight bytes. It's, uh, but it's still, you're still getting compressed oops, uh, up to 64 gigs of heat. So there's some kind of education that needs because of this. So Java is, uh, JVM uh, uh, is getting better, right? Uh, and every, every time we move to a different, ver- uh, like, you know, from six to seven to eight, there are so many different things that education is the key, you know, people need to be aware of. There's so many other optimizations within. Within the JVM uh, uh, itself, there's the the, the NUMA. People are using that now, but there was a whole education of using the NUMA-aware Pneuma, allocator. So um, things like that um, are just low-hanging fruits that uh, that people. Uh, I mean, not everybody that I work work with uh, need to be there. Are some of them they're very savvy and they already know what they need, and it's just a matter of. Uh, looking at the application, profiling it, and and figuring out uh, what's going on, what's causing these increasing references issue, or what's causing uh, some kind of scalability bottleneck, and and sometimes profiling uh, the heap itself, sometimes prof- uh, thread profiling, sometimes the application profiling uh, are the way to go. But yes, there are lots of options that people can um, people can learn about with respect to their Uh, to the JVM.
1: What are some tools that performance engineers use to understand how their garbage collection is working and pinpoint areas for improvement?
0: Uh, uh, One of the things that I tell uh, all my clients is that uh, there are two options that everybody should enable in production and that one of them is XX print GC details and then then the other one is print GC timestamps or date stamps. Uh, with, with those, what and then redirect your GC log and, and you do the log rotation or whatever you need to. But with that, with those enabled, I can see basically how your generation site uh, are getting filled, the, the allocation rate, the promotion rate. I can, I can see those simple things and we can talk about that just by looking at your GC log. Uh, I can look at your heap occupancy, how how the occupancy, you know, not just your heap size, uh, how it grows, but how the old-gen occupancy changes, how uh, the young-gen occupancy changes. And all these things are, are easily visible just by doing the print GC details and print, uh, print GC data timestamps. Okay.
1: okay. So when you turn on these GC details, you get output out to a log file that it gives you a lot of information about What's going on during garbage collection, and then you could maybe parse that and feed that into some kind of um, statistical or analytical yes. software and average it over time, things like that.
0: Well, uh, what I I don't look at averages. What I look at is actual all those actual GCs. So I will plot all these actual GCs. There's something called GC histo. So I'll parse this log file and provide the information that GC histo needs. And then GC histo is basically a histogram, and it it provides you uh, information. It can actually visualize these um, individual events, and then you can see how much time uh, each uh, each of those events took. And then I can, if I see that, oh, one of these collections is going past, um, say, uh, 500 milliseconds. So I'm going to go investigate uh, that further, and then that's how we start. But if I don't even have that much visibility into the GC, uh, then I don't get the starting point. So so definitely enable print GC details and print GC dates, time, data timestamps and, and, and look at the logs.
1: I see. So it's more like uh, debugging, where you're looking at individual... Cases rather than aggregated behavior, and trying to understand what happened in each individual case. Yeah, Uh,
0: by the time somebody comes to me, um, they have a problem. So we know that they are looking for a for a detailed analysis, and uh, at so at that time, looking at averages is not going to help me at all. Um, Maybe looking at ninety nine. The five nines or whatever. Yes, that will help me. Maybe looking at the worst case. Of course, that's going to help me. So, so now that I we have figured out what the worst case is, I still need to figure out what events led up to that worst case, right? So, um, so that's why I need to look at the entire um, the entire set of events to identify what what happened. So it's kind of a pattern. I'm looking for patterns in the log, and, um, and I'm trying to. Uh, plot the same information in different ways. I look at the occupancy. So what happened here? Why did the promotion rate go up, or why, or what happened here? So I can go back to uh, the people and and ask them, hey, I see this allocation pattern changes, and I think that because of that, there's something with the promotion rate that changed, or whatever. You know, I can talk about these different things if I can visualize what happened to the garbage collector, so to speak, right?
1: So sure, and then. You need to find uh, one of the many parameters that affects garbage collection that you think will impact the cause of the issue, and try setting that to a different value. That is and correct. Yeah, redo That's, the experiment.
0: That is correct. So, very simply, when I do get a log, most often than not, they may have some things that some options in there that are not necessary, or sometimes they're kind of tightening uh, the 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 flexibility that the garbage collector needs. So I start with something, or I try to get a baseline first. So by simply looking at the first log, I can say, hey, remove that option if you can, and this one, and that one, and that one, and just kind of clean up the command line option, and then ask for a baseline. Sometimes the baseline may have a little more than just the max and min heap, and pass time goal, for example, in G1GC's case. I may even have uh, the marking threshold uh, adjusted but that would be the baseline after the baseline is established uh... then we go ahead and try improved set of options which that for that i may ask for more for example there's something called print adaptive size policy which tells me uh... when you enable that it tells me exactly what G1TC uh... how it made up its collection set you know how many regions were in each collection set and gives me all these the other details like why did this mixed collection start? Why uh, and with these in, uh, sets and what's the percentage? How much of how much each collection was able to retrieve? You know how much I free see. space. Okay. So all that. In, so eventually we will just keep on adding these kind of diagnostic options so I can uh, figure out exactly what is wrong and how we can make it better. I
1: see. Do so you combine your knowledge of how each garbage collector works and what that garbage collector is trying to do to interact with the system, yeah. to drive your choice of which diagnostics are going to give you the most information, yes. and then uh, that will drive a, a hypothesis of what what it is you could change to improve the, the performance in the way you want it to go. Yes,
0: yes, that's right, and 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 more often than not experience matters, right? I, if I, I, When I look at a log and when somebody else looks at the log, the, uh, you know, I can, I can see a pattern and I'm, I'm thinking, okay, that's that's something that I need to investigate, you know? And if I show the same log to somebody else, they may or may not be able to see the pattern or they may find something else altogether, which is awesome as well. So, you know, it's it's all about, it's, it's a fun game, uh, fun interactive uh, game and keeps me very interested all the time because I learn so much from it all the time as well and now I kind of have uh, every time I see a pattern I say okay this is what it is let's do this and then then after that is achieved let's try this option so at any given time I if I'm tuning uh, I'm only adding one option at a time because that way I can see and they can and, and of course they can also see the impact of that option so that way I can explain to them First, why I think that the option is important. And then second, once they see the impact, they can also um, validate what I was saying and it kind of helps them understand going forward their application behavior and how the GC needs to cope
1: up with it or whatever, right? Right, well, very scientific in your approach. I, I've also heard some developers say that server technologies that need predictable Latency should not be written in a garbage collection language. And you are seeing some servers written in C and C++. They they may believe that it's impossible to tune, or that just the difficulty of tuning is so great that they want something that can be more under their control. What what is your view on that whole debate?
0: What for me, it depends on the post goal they're trying to achieve. Uh, people that are trying to get microseconds or you know less than one millisecond for sure, but um, like less than you know so in, in that range, yes, everything, you know you have uh, specialized uh, like FPGAs and stuff like that too. People are doing that, uh, um, co-locating like when you're doing the trading, you want to co-locate as close, uh, not have the network cable run all the all the way. Uh, you know, where speed of light mat- matters. <laughs> in those cases, yes, I mean, Java is not a competition, right? Because Java is, what is Java? It's it's abstraction, right? So when they want to get to a particular uh, field directly and they want uh, to make changes directly, so allocation, they, they want to be in charge of everything that they're allocating. And uh, so... Yeah, I mean, it does. It does make sense in that in that very very low latency arena. You know, when we talk about servers, I don't think uh, most of the servers need that much of uh, specific uh, low latency requirement. They don't have that kind of requirement because network is is the most dominating uh, uh, latency factor, right? So if somebody tells me that I have servers, one one in this region and one in the other region, and I'm trying to optimize garbage collector, and, and then I would like to have data from both of them and try to figure out if garbage collector is, in fact, a problem. Sometimes people blame garbage collector for everything, right? But then I try to look at their application logs. I try to look at the garbage collector log. I try to put it all together and try to tell them that, see, your garbage collector was at any given time not over 500 milliseconds, didn't didn't experience over 500 milliseconds pause, but your application is having this kind of issue, so maybe we should investigate something else, right? Uh, uh, Safe points are another reason, you know, it, it doesn't have to be, safe points like Stop the World doesn't have to be just... Uh, garbage collector. There are other reasons why that could have happened. So we go and investigate something else as well. Garbage collector may not always be the issue.
1: I've also seen some talks like Martin Thompson uh, in the LMAC system where they adopt programming techniques to stay off the heap, like allocating big chunks of memory and creatively reusing them in ways that were probably not thought of by the developers of the Java language. Do you think some kind of mix of specialized programming techniques and garbage collection is a pragmatic solution to the needs of very high-performance applications?
0: Yes, Martin Thompson, Peter Laurie, all and uh, yeah, a couple other people that I know of are are totally doing exactly what you said, and it makes sense because the, again, the realm that they are in, the the goal that they're trying to achieve, it. You know, they're trying to reduce allocations. They're trying to again. Con- the whole thing about garbage collector is not just the collection itself; it's also the allocation. Sometimes people and at allocation and the expense those allocations uh, uh, come with. You know, so I think what they're doing is makes perfect sense for for the field that they're dealing with. And uh, yes, but bottom line is yes, it does make sense.
1: I'm aware that in a upcoming version of Java, there will be support for staying off the heap for programmers that want to avoid garbage collection. Explain how that's going to work. Uh,
0: So in Java 10, um, actually uh, Java 1 this year, the keynote, uh, one of the keynote speakers, uh, Brian, uh, mentioned about uh, Project Panama. And what it does is that it aims at um, giving JVM direct access to the native data, like data uh, in the native heap, and also code. For example, if you had C um, C functions and stuff like that, so um, there are, there's a tool. I think it's called JExtract, and right. the wo- the way that works is that it extra- extracts the metadata, uh, for example, the header files and stuff like that, and uh, it generates its own. So it does it for you, basically it generates these um, Java interfaces. Uh, so that way, it gives you this kind of uh, way to work with uh, your code and data. So it's pretty cool uh, the way it works. And, and uh, Brian actually walked us through an, with an example uh, and how he could call, uh, like, there was a time library and uh, also struct, <laughs> which is like really a pinpoint, right, of Java. So uh, Brian showed us an example how they could do that. Uh, so then eventually you end up just calling the getters and setters of the to the fields directly uh, because uh, J-Extract does everything else for you. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's called Project Panama.
1: Great. And as a final question, where do you see Java garbage collection going in the future? Would you say it's pretty much a solved problem and a mature technology, or are there going to be more developments and improvements in this area?
0: Oh yeah, there's going to be a lot lot more improvements to this area. I think today, as far as Hotspot is concerned, we are at a good starting point. You know, it sounds ridiculous coming from a, from a person who has worked with garbage collectors for more than a decade saying that today is a good starting point. But what I mean by that is that uh, we have learned a lot. We have learned from the throughput collector. We have learned from the low latency collector. We have learned... Uh, and that's what gave us G1, G1, GC, after the, after all the learning and the education about scalability bottlenecks and about, uh, you know, I- incremental compaction, how to do it right, uh, we've learned about that. But we, we haven't yet mastered pre- deterministic um, uh, co- collection yet. We haven't yet mastered, without having a super, um, you know, super expense on throughput, right? So we haven't mastered that. We haven't mastered uh, larger heaps. With G1, yes, that's a starting point. But what about G1 for throughput? What about G1 for low latency? So th- those are the next steps. So I, I envision a future where the regionalized heat framework is 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 going to be the base framework for garbage collection. And I, I also see um, specialized effort towards gearing garbage collectors towards low latency, predictable latency, and deterministic latency, uh, which means that you could move towards, um, you know, no stop the world pauses or something like that. So there, there's already work done. Uh, like Azul, Azul has, uh, has worked with this, and they they, are, they deal with very large heap sizes and um, no pause, right? So uh, there's there's work done, and I see Open JDK, HotSpot moving to uh, to that realm. I also see throughput collection. Uh, moving to the regionalized heap framework, it's so much easier when you, uh, when your adaptiveness is just based on adding or subtracting a a region, right, instead of having pre-allocated area where you could expand to in the future in a contiguous heap manner. So there are lots of issues with the existing GC frameworks. I think G1GC's framework is going to be the new norm. And I, you know, of course, IBM has their um, balanced team. I think um, there's another Shenandoah, which is also a regionalized team. Uh, it, it's an open JDK uh, proposal, I think. Um, and so, I uh, yeah, I see that as the future.
1: Great for our listeners who'd like to learn more about your work or follow you, where should they go?
0: Well, I um, I write articles for InfoQ, so it's infoq.com, and then just uh, my name, Monica Beckwith. Uh, Just lift me up. Uh, I also, you can follow me on Twitter. It's monbeck, underscore Beck, M-O-N underscore Beck. And that way they can reach out to me on Twitter and then I can um, help them with their needs. So, yeah.
1: Monica Beckwith, thank you very much for speaking to Software Engineering Radio. Yeah, thank you. For our listeners, we would love to get feedback from you. You can email us at team at se-radio.net. Follow us on Twitter at S.E. Radio. Contact us at our group on Google+, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Or go to iTunes and write a review for the show. For Software Engineering Radio, this has been Robert Blumen. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to S.E. Radio, an educational program
0: brought to you by IEEE Software Magazine. For more information about the podcast, including other episodes, visit our website at se-radio.net. To provide feedback, you can write comments on each episode on the website or write a review on iTunes. Mention or message us on Twitter, at SE Radio, or search for the Software Engineering Radio Group on LinkedIn, Google Plus, or Facebook. You can also email us at team at se-radio.net. This and all other episodes of SE Radio is licensed under the Creative Commons 2.5 license.
1: Thanks again for your support.